Marcheseau slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Wah looks up, taps it back to Donov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two on a Friday, rolling right along here on the VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, we will be with you for the entirety of hour number two before we give way to a weekend of hockey action and First game of the night, the Rangers, the Hurricanes, that's about to go in just a few moments. So we'll keep tabs on that game over the course of the hour. We're also going to do our best to preview game two of the Battle of Alberta because who the heck knows what we're getting out of Calgary and Edmonton tonight. Plus, we'll get into more playoff overreactions, one-timers, and then, of course, everyone's favorite segment, catching up with Chapman. So, Chris, I, I want to start with the Battle of Alberta because you don't see 9-6 hockey games in the playoffs. You just don't. And and furthermore, you don't see it when one of the teams involved had to go five games deep against the Dallas Stars before getting their ninth goal of that series. Like, what changed for the Calgary Flames? Is it simple to say Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen are not Jake Ottinger. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's <laughs> safe to say. Uh, the other thing is the Edmonton Oilers are not the Dallas Stars. So, um, yeah, it because it, it, it seems like Edmonton scored more goals in that first game than Dallas did in the entire series. Um, yeah. So so it was it was definitely a contrast to what we had seen with the Flames. Um, certainly... It's such a weird game because how often will you see a goalie give up six goals in the playoffs and win the game? Mm-hmm. Like it's not often. It, it, it's 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 so rare. I mean, I, I'm I, I can't imagine there's too many cases of it happening. Maybe back in like the '80s, right when when goals were at a premium. But um, yeah, it, it it was a bizarre. The the whole game was weird because uh, Calgary gets out to that early three nothing lead and. Uh, Mike Smith gets pulled with like 12 minutes ago in, in the first period. You're like, oh boy, here we go. If you had told me that at any point in time that that game would be tied at, what was it, tied at six in the third period, mm-hmm. I would have said, Ryan, you are out of your mind. There is zero chance that's happening. What's funny about that is after Matthew Kachuk scored it to make it six to two, Zach Hyman gets one back a minute later. It was at that moment that I knew that the Edmonton Oilers were going to come back. I didn't know if they were going to win, but I knew that they were going to come back because, frankly, Jacob Markstrom was terrible. He was absolutely terrible. What's funny, you mentioned how often is it you're a goaltender and you give up six goals in a game and win in the playoffs. The fact of the matter is, how often is it you are probably the worst goaltender in the game? When you get one guy pulled after allowing two goals on five or 
three goals on on five shots. Like I, to me, back the Markstrom was worse than Smith and Koskinen. Like <laughs> if I'm the Calgary Flames going into this one, right? Like. I, I know that you can get to Mike Smith. I know that you can get to Miko Koskinen. And to be frank, like Miko Koskinen should not be an option for the Edmonton Oilers at all because he proved in getting the game action that he just cannot do it. It has to be Mike Smith. But if I'm Daryl Sutter in the Calgary Flames, I don't. I'm not feeling particularly good about Jacob Markstrom going into game number two because I think he was worse than the two guys that tended goal for the Edmonton Oilers. Now I'm going to throw the hypothetical at you. Because okay. it, it's something I thought about. What if Jay Woodcroft does not pull Mike Smith? Does Edmonton win that game because Markstrom was yeah, so bad? You know, that's an interesting thought because I, I, I have to believe, and you know me, I am not a Mike Smith guy. I've never been a Mike Smith guy. I appreciate and respect his ability to play meaningful hockey at an elite level at 40 years old. However, I have seen this script so many times with Mike Smith where he is great, 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 great until he's not. And when he's not, it's no chance of winning for his team, period. I don't know that we're there right now with Mike Smith. Like, I believe that if if the Oilers would have gotten through that period, if, if you know you kind of get to a point where Mike Smith is able to settle into the game, I don't think that the Calgary Flames light up Mike Smith the rest of the way. I think that was a real opportunity for Jay Woodcroft to just trust in his goalie, to let him work himself into the game, and hope that things kind of stabilize. Because if they did, and Jacob Markstrom was as bad as he was, the Edmonton Oilers could have stolen that game, and it would have been improbable the way that it started. Yeah, it's a weird situation because as bad as Mike Smith was in those first Eight ten minutes. I mean, he didn't even make ten minutes, but first eight minutes of that game, I can't imagine he gives up eight goals. Like I just, I in my mind, I cannot see Mike Smith being that bad that he gives up five more goals <laughs> that that uh, Miko Koskinen gave up, and I think one was an empty netter. So obviously that that doesn't count. But if you're if you're Vladar, who is the backup for Calgary, you have to be scratching your head saying, uh, at what point am I going to see action in this series if Jacob Markstrom's giving up six goals and we're not pulling him? Because it, it, yeah, it certainly I mean, doesn't I, seem like like he's even on the radar. And that I, I don't think that... Vladar on the radar. <laughs> well, it doesn't rhyme, but that's fine. Close enough. Um, not, not even a little bit. Um, if, like if I'm if I'm Dan Vladar, like I, I realize I'm not playing, right? Like I'm, I'm the second string guy. Like unless Jacob Markstrom is hurt, I'm not getting action. That's kind of a, a tenant for Daryl Sutter. He does not pull goaltenders very often. He doesn't really lean too heavily on that. He, he, he's he got a plan, and his plan is Jacob Markstrom being better than the other guy on the other side of the rink. Now, the, the, big, the big thing for me coming out of it is Mike Smith has to be the guy for the Edmonton Oilers. Like, I don't think you can have any trust or confidence whatsoever in Miko Koskinen uh, in that you know, you you gave yourself a chance, right? Like the Edmonton Oilers get themselves right back into the game. They make it a very interesting start to the third period. They are buzzing, and Koskinen allows two goals that take them completely out of their rhythm, that lose them the game, and that's the fact of the matter. So it, to me, you can you can bank on Jacob Markstrom 
bouncing back. You can bank on him having an off night, especially when he had to be so good against the Dallas Stars early on. But to me, with the Edmonton Oilers, like you're in a no no you're you're in a position where you simply cannot rely on your backup goaltender, especially against a Calgary Flames team that ate him alive. So you have to hope that Mike Smith is not going into one of those trends where he is not playing well. Because if he's not playing well, this series that should be so fun and a long one is going to get real short real quick. Yeah, I mean, it's really that simple. Because if Mike Smith is is not good, then I don't see Edmonton having a chance in the series. Because I, I just don't see Markstrom being as bad as he was the other night. Like, I mean, at least if you're Calgary, you're, you're, you're hoping that that's not the case. Um, you know, the, the funny thing about this game is it, it kind of reminded me a bit of, uh, I don't know if you remember, but right before the uh, the the pandemic struck, it was, I want to say it was February or January of 2020, the Calgary Flames and Edmonton Oilers played a wild, wild game in which both goalies were pulled and Mike Smith was, he was playing for Calgary at the time. And Mike Smith was put back in the game and ended up winning the game, but he ended up fighting Cam Talbot in that game, the the goalie on the (laughs) other end. So Mike Smith comes in, or he starts the game. The backup in that game for Calgary was Miko Koskinen. Okay. Fantastic. So just a a really, really strange, strange game. No, I'm sorry. I I, I take that back. Miko Koskinen, I I think, was... was, uh, no, he was, it says he, he was in for Calgary when I looked at the box score. So uh, not a good night for him, but that was a wild, wild situation on, on uh, what was it, Tuesday night that these two teams played. Um, Ryan, I have I have no idea how game two is going to play out. I thought Calgary w- would win this series. Uh, I still feel pretty confident that they're win this series. I like Mike Smith, but uh, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if maybe this is the ceiling that Mike Smith can can take his team to. Like maybe he just can't take it up another level. Uh, I think Markstrom can. I, I think that was a one-off. Mm-hmm. But who the hell knows? I mean, it's it's the Battle of Alberta. So so like, who who knows what's what's going to happen here? So it 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 got off to a great start. Like I I don't care who you are. If you were watching that game, you were entertained. Period. Like there's no way you come away from that game at nine six in favor of the Calgary Flames, and you are not entertained, especially with Matthew Kachuk icing the game with a with a empty net hat trick goal. But like, what's the encore? And and that's really what I'm most intrigued by. Like, are the goaltenders going to get to to kind of find their game? Is the Calgary defense going to show up in a meaningful way that they shut down the Edmonton Oilers? Like, is this series going to get dumbed down a little bit and be made to be a bit more boring? Or do you think that the Edmonton Oilers look at it and say, you know what, we were able to put six back past Jacob Markstrom. Our our opportunity in this one is to score and to score a lot. So we have to push for offense. Like, I wonder what the philosophical change is going to be from game one to game two. Because I'll tell you, I could see Daryl Sutter, as as funny as he was in the media, as much as he was making light of the idea that they had to score a ton of goals, Daryl Sutter does not want to win games 9-6. to six. He just doesn't. No. Not I, at all. It doesn't seem to fit the M.O., uh, especially when it's with the Kings, right? Like, I, I, I don't recall them winning too many games 9-6, to six, if any in their runs to Stanley Cup uh, championships. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's just a series where 
I think the whole the whole NHL world is is just intrigued by this. Like I think the other series, Colorado, St. Louis, it's like, all right, these are two pretty good teams. Rangers, Carolina, eh, Tampa, Florida. The 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 Battle of Florida doesn't really have the intrigue of 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 the Battle of Alberta. So I yeah. I feel like this is the series that everybody who is a fan of this sport is glued to. I, I mean, I, I was I was in the studio. I could not turn it off. It was even when it was three nothing, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a blowout. And sure enough, it, it, it turned out being a blowout, but it was a wild, wild game because it it, it was almost like a movie. It started yeah. out with with a high and then it 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 kind of hit a little bit of a lull and then all of a sudden it was a high again. And then you're like, oh well, where's the climax? Oh, the climax was in the second period, and then it kind of tapered off a little bit in the third period. You're thinking, and no, the third period was wild as well. So uh, it, it it was like a blockbuster movie. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. and it was only game one. And here here I am saying, oh, well, I doubt it's going to live up to our expectations. It blew sure. our expectations away. I mean, so granted, it, it's question. one game, but uh-huh. the bar is set really high for game two. I just hope it's not like a 3-1 game. Give me something wild. Well, here's the thing. Like... It, was game one enough for the Battle of Alberta? Like, meaning, if every game the rest of the way is 3-2 or 2-1, two to one, like, if everything's buttoned down from here on out, we don't really get the explosion we saw in, in game number one, like, is, is having that singular moment enough to say, regardless of what happens from here on out, the Battle of Alberta it checked the boxes for me. I think it depends. Like, I would have rather have had that game in Game 7. But <laughs> oh, come on. You're not getting that No, game no, seven. of course not. But, but like, <laughs> I, I, I want that later in the series. I don't want, I don't want that to be mm-hmm. the opening scene of, of the movie that we're getting here, the Battle of Alberta. Like, to me, you can't start with, with the high. You can't start with the climax. You, you got you to gotta kind of maybe put that somewhere else in, in, in the script. Sure. So I I'll be honest though if the games are good and entertaining and, and and they're up and down and it's good hockey and it's it's just the goalies are really good I'm fine with that like like I think that's cool but I think I think I'm not alone when I say I want to see some more high scoring games between these two teams like like that was fun that was amazing like I couldn't imagine having bought a ticket and going to that game and yeah. sitting in the saddle dome and thinking oh we're going to crush these guys and all of a sudden, it's tied at six in the third period. Like, I I could not imagine how many beers I would have put down if I was a fan who paid tickets for that game in Calgary the other night. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to walk out. There's no way. No, there's, no. There's absolutely I'm, no I'm handing my keys to Junko. I'm saying, babe, you got to drive home. <laughs> so I, I will tell you what I think. In terms of game two, I think it's going to be wild. I, I just do. I don't know that the Edmonton Oilers can play – structured enough to beat the Calgary Flames because I believe Calgary is a better team. Now, granted, I picked, I believe, the Edmonton Oilers to win this series because I'm chasing matchups here. I want to see McDavid versus McKinnon. I just do. I think it'd be really fun. But I think the best chance right now for the Edmonton Oilers is to just play open and free, to try to goad the Calgary Flames into an offensive game, and I think that that's how they're going to try to play the rest of the way. I don't know that we're going to get too many 
2-1 or 3-2 games in this series. I know Connor McDavid had that quote about four goals should be enough to win a, a playoff game. I think you're needing four or five in this series to get wins. I think that's just what these two teams head-to-head are going to be. Yeah, I, I was waiting for the six goals should be enough to win a playoff game quote from Connor McDavid. <laughs> well, we, we didn't get that one, but uh, you know what? You, you, I think you're right. Like you, you seem to have a pulse on this Edmonton team, so I... I, I I kind of feel like, you know what, they're just going to throw it out, all out the window because this is the only way they know how to play. They have the players to do it. So I don't know if you could put a whole lot of faith in your goaltending at this point. Just go out and yeah. try to score as many goals as you can and, and, and hope that it's enough. All right, so I want to shift gears here and talk about <clears throat> the Rangers and the Hurricanes, and it's going to lead us into eventually talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning as if they've already won their second-round series against the Florida Panthers. But let's be honest, they probably have. Uh, New York-Carolina is interesting to me because the the New York Rangers in Game 1 played a perfect game. They played exactly the way they need to play in order to beat Carolina. They did it in Carolina. They had a one nothing lead. You've got the best goalie in the league this year, and Igor Shesterkin holding down the fort, who played well, and yet they cannot hold out to close it out in regulation, and then they lose it in overtime on an Ian Cole goal. Like, come on, that's ridiculous. And it's an own goal because it's a it's a deflection. Like, you have to, as a defenseman, be on the same page as your goaltender. It wasn't the case for the Rangers. So, like, the Rangers played the exact prototype game they have to play in order to beat Carolina, and they still lost, Chapman. Like, I don't know that I feel the Rangers have a legitimate chance in this series. Well, I'm not going not gonna to say that. Um, look, yeah, they, they they played a great game, Ryan, and and sure, they they lost in overtime on a deflection. They only gave up two goals, and 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 look, the the reality of the situation, Carolina hasn't won a game on the road in the playoffs. So, okay. I mean, it's not it's not like it's it's out of the realm of possibility that the Rangers steal a game in Carolina at some point. Uh, the New York was down three to one to Pittsburgh, and we, we and they were down in the, the the fifth game, and we're like, up, oh, they're done, it's over. You had a yeah. good run, Rangers. I I'm not gonna say that that they are done. I I I think. Look, I picked Carolina to win the series. You you took the Rangers in this one. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's 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 a little premature to write off the New York Rangers after one game in which they played a really good game because Carolina. They had to. They had to fight and claw their way to win that game. Well, the the New York Rangers are doing their best. We have wide open nets, and we're just going to shoot through the the goal mouth uh, early in this game. Uh, through five minutes, they've had two <laughs> wide open nets, and they've missed both of them. So, well done, New York Rangers. I, I, listen, I I I don't want to write them off, but I'm I'm getting a a bad sense that continuing to to pick against the Carolina Hurricanes is going to be my undoing this year um, as if there's other things that that aren't contributing to me just not being able to pick winners in these playoffs but I I I don't know what it is about Carolina I don't know what it is about the New York Rangers I'm just getting the sense that if Igor Shesterkin's not perfect know that they're going to win this series like they played a perfect game I don't know that they have that in their arsenal for three or four more games against Carolina Hurricanes. I just don't know that they have it. So we'll see. 
how it goes, but I, I, I tend to believe the Rangers and the Hurricanes will at least be a little bit closer than what we're going to get out of Tampa and Florida. And the fact of the matter is, I get that the Florida Panthers were about three seconds away from going to overtime. I get that they might have had a chance to win it in overtime. I get all of that, but the fact of the matter, it's very simple. The Florida Panthers have lost two games at home to start this series. They have to win four out of the next five games, and they play three of those games in Tampa. You tell me how they're going to do it. When Andre Vasilevsky and the Lightning do not lose two games in a row in the Stanley Cup playoffs ever, please explain somebody to me how the Florida Panthers even have a pulse in this series. Well, I'll make it very simple. They're not going to. They can't. They, don't. they can't. they don't do it. It's over. I said it was over after game one. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and and I'm the buffoon who picked the Florida Panthers to end the dynasty. I went back and listened to, to Monday's episode. And, yeah, here, here here's my quote. <laughs> the Florida Panthers will end. Well, I'm not going to call it a dynasty because they haven't won three in a row, but they will prevent the Tampa Bay Lightning from, from creating a dynasty. What a yeah. buffoon. I don't know who that guy is. Look, this series is over. I said the other day, I'd be shocked if Florida won two games. They may not even get that. Um, oh, you think they're going to get swept? They, it's very it, it, Nothing at this point would be out of the realm of possibility. I, I just don't see them going to Tampa and winning. winning. They may, they may steal one, and I say steal because I don't think they're going to outplay Tampa in that building. This is a lot like last season when these two teams played. We were hoping we were going to get a good series, and Tampa was just too good. Uh, Bobrovsky, he played good last night. He wasn't good in game one. I I, I don't know. I I don't know where their power play is. It's non-existent. Over over who knows what. They haven't scored in the playoffs through, through, I think, six, seven, or eight games in the playoffs they've played. They are yet to score a power play goal. Hey, people were yelling and screaming about Steve Spott. Imagine Mm -hmm. that Is, is your situation. You're the president's trophy winner. And you are yet to score a power play goal midway through your second round series. That's unacceptable. I think it's it's bad for Andrew Burnett because he's obviously still got the interim tag. Sure. I think he, he could have lost the series and maybe been hired full time. If they get blown out in this series and they get swept, I don't know how management says, yeah, this was a successful season. Because I, with, with that roster... I don't think it was built to lose in the second round to your in-state rival. I think that team was put together to make a run for the Stanley Cup, and I think it's underwhelming is the word Darren used. I'm totally on board with that. It's been highly disappointing. Not just this series. I thought their series against Washington was kind of ho-hum as well. I thought they were really lucky to get through that. Let me ask you this question because I, I think it's an interesting one. The Florida Panthers won the first round. That's the first time that they've done that since 1996. So, like, that's in and of itself an accomplishment. But do you feel like they have regressed from where they were last season in losing in the first round to the Tampa Bay Lightning? Well, they they certainly put up more of a fight in in that series. I think they they actually right. won one of the first two games. So, like, I I think I think you can make the argument that they're further away than they were last year, even though they've won a round in the playoffs. Yeah, because. I think they were expected to win that round easily this year. Uh, yeah. they, they weren't the President's Trophy winners. And I think they, they played Tampa in the first round, and people are like, all right, well, Tampa's really, really good. Uh, they're the defending champ. 
make it a series, make it interesting. But I don't know how many people expected Florida to win that series. I think there were expectations on the Panthers this this playoffs this playoff, and you know sometimes teams can handle the expectations. The Florida Panthers strike me as a team that right now they couldn't handle the expectations, the weight that comes with being the President's Trophy winner. I like I said, it's unbelievably disappointing, and if they make this a five game series, I'll be shocked. Yeah. So. The the question about the Tampa Bay Lightning is is an interesting one, Darren. We talked about it in in hour number one as to whether or not we think the Tampa Bay Lightning are are kind of the favorite now in the East. And I I, I think they were going into the into the playoffs. I thought their their best challenge, the best challenge to a team knocking off Tampa was Toronto. And if you look at the way things line up right now for Tampa, every single series after the first round should be easier the path for the lightning to get back to the stanley cup final is through a florida panthers team that is incredibly underwhelming and one of the new york rangers a team that's on the rise a team that a lot of people didn't expect to be here this year but you get great goaltending and you get some really solid performances from the likes of chris Kreider and Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad and Adam Fox, all of a sudden, you get an opportunity, you go for it. They are one of those classic teams where you get in and you hope, well, the New York Rangers might hope themselves all the way to the Eastern Conference Final. Or a Carolina Hurricanes team, every time I don't buy in, they're phenomenal, and every time I do buy in, they are garbage. So I don't know that that the third round the conference finals going to be the be easier for Tampa than what they're doing right now against Florida but i think if it's the rangers it's a cakewalk and i think if it's carolina they're the heavy favorites like i don't know that there's a better setup for the Tampa Bay Lightning to get to their third consecutive Stanley Cup final and i don't care who's waiting for them on the other side that in and of itself is an accomplishment in today's NHL. Well, and they've already proven that that this group, this team that's that's going now for their third consecutive cup, this collective group of players, they can go on the road and win a game seven because they've already done it. So yeah. I think the fact that that there's a possibility that they they may come come to a point again where they're on the road for for that pivotal game, I don't think it's going to phase them. I think you're right. And, and it, it, it sucks for the Leafs because I think more and more we're, we're realizing and we will come to realize just how good that Toronto team was. And it's a shame that, that they were forced to play Tampa in the first round of the playoffs because how good would that series have been in an Eastern Conference final? Because I think right now, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say that those were and are the two best teams that were in the Eastern Conference this year. And it's a shame that they had to play in the first round because that that was maybe the best series of the first round. It was certainly the most star-stuck or star, star-studded star series, I should say, uh, because you, you certainly have talent up and down the rosters for both teams. I, I think you're right. Progressively easier is a, is a good way to put it because I don't really look at Carolina and say, yeah, they, they're, they're going to give Tampa too many problems. They got through the they got through their toughest opponent and now they're they're on cruise control. They've won four straight games. 
I, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. And I know you, Darren, discussed it, but hmm. I think they're going back. I think they're going back to the final. Here's the thing with with Tampa in relation to Toronto. If the Tampa Bay Lightning are able to waltz into the Stanley Cup final without having to play an elimination game, without being pushed to the brink of elimination by either Florida or one of New York and Carolina, that goes to show you just how close the Toronto Maple Leafs were and how far away literally everybody else was. And the next time that someone wants to talk about how disappointing it was that the Leafs went out in the first round, they might be the only team this year to push Tampa to the brink in a way that no one else has been able to do it. We revere the New York Islanders, right, for the last two seasons, their ability to push Tampa Bay to an elimination game. Like, that's the bar, that's the standard that the the Tampa Bay Lightning have, that they are so good, you're the one that's facing elimination, not us. And yet, Toronto was able to do it, and I think when everything's said and done this postseason, we are going to look at Tampa, Toronto, round one as the true Eastern Conference final. Because, frankly, I had the winner of that series going to the Stanley Cup final. It didn't matter if it was Tampa. It didn't matter if it was Toronto. I looked at those two teams as the very best in the Eastern Conference, and I don't know that it's particularly close. Well, yeah, last year Tampa wins a one nothing game against the Islanders in Game 7. This year they go on the road. They win a two to one game over the over the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're right. Toronto is is the only team that's really been able to push them outside of the Islanders the last couple of years. Uh, they had zero issues in in the Cup Finals the last two years, uh, especially last year with the, with the fluke that that happened. But I, I I I don't know, man. There's just something about this team. And me and Darren even talked about it a little bit yesterday. Why does yeah. John Cooper get no love for being the, the one of the best coaches in the NHL? Like, like, why is he not nominated for a Jack Adams Award? Is it because they finished third this year in the division? I, 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 I don't, I don't know because they haven't improved, right? Like they, they. It's as, like the Connor McDavid thing, right? It's a Connor McDavid as, argument. You got to hold your own standard against yourself. Well, I, I mean, it's it's understanding what what is actually voted on, right? Like. If you want to, if you want to talk about Jack Adams, like legitimately best coach in the league, it should be the three teams, n- no joke, with the best record every single year because that is an indication of great coaching. You win a lot of hockey games, you're going to be the best coach. I look at it a little bit differently. Like I would say that it's not or shouldn't be an award where you have a great goalie or you overachieve and all of a sudden you're a great coach. Like I don't think that that's how it should be voted on, but it is. The fact that John Cooper, the fact that Mike Sullivan are not in the running, like to me, that's wrong. It just is because you're you're talking about the two best coaches right now in the game and they're just not getting any recognition because they're good, and they do what they need to do in the regular season to get themselves into the playoffs, and when they're in the playoffs, that's when they go and prove how great they are behind the bench. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue with that. It, it's just, it, it, it's a bit frustrating because the guy has proven himself time and time again, and yeah, he, he's not in the discussion. Look, there's other guys who, who clearly are worthy of, of the nomination as well, but it, it, it's 
I guess John Cooper is thinking is I'll let my coaching do the talking in the playoffs when it matters the most. And, and that's, and that's the thing I think with John Cooper, like you want to, you want to make me coach of the year. You don't want to make me coach of the year. I don't really care. I'm just going to win Stanley cups. And I think that that that's the thing with, with some of these coaches where you, you, you just look at it and you say, why are we not recognizing the absolute best of the best when it comes to coaching in this league? I think that those are the coaches that are focused more on winning Stanley Cups. Those are the coaches that that really, truly don't care much about the Jack Adams and don't care that that that's that they're being snubbed because their snub's going to turn into the hardware everybody wants in this game, and that's a Stanley Cup championship. We're going to be back with one-timers next on the VGK Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less... One-timers brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee. News and notes from around the NHL. Chapman, I want to start with Brady Kachuk. Because there's there's an idea out there, and I don't know if it's a prevailing idea, but it's the wrong idea. It's a, a bad opinion. But there's an idea out there, an opinion out there, that Brady Kachuk should not be supporting and rooting for Matthew Kachuk in the Calgary Flames. Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. I don't get it. What say you? I, I can't get on board with the narrative that he should not be acting. The way that he is. I mean, it's your brother. It's family. Everybody's there. The whole family. Dad. Um, you know, who wouldn't throw his hat on the ice after Brady scored the... Or after Matthew <laughs> scored the hat trick. Um, but, I, look, it, it, it's fine with me. And, and I've seen a lot of Ottawa fans who, who are totally fine with it. They get it. They understand. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. He's running through the, 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 the arena high-fiving Calgary fans. Like, sign yeah. me up for that. Like, I want that guy. And And... Everyone forgets Mark Stone's brother is also a member of the Calgary Flames. And as much as Mark Stone loves hockey and winning, I have to imagine if he hadn't just gone through the back surgery, he might be yeah. in Calgary rooting on his brother as well. I don't know if he'd be going the the, the full Brady Kachuk, but mm-hmm. I certainly think Mark Stone would be an exciting, especially if Michael Stone was doing something really big and good to help the Calgary Flames win games. Yeah, Brady Kachuk said it speaks to how close a family we are. I'm a normal guy supporting his brother and all his goals. Family is so important to me. And, like, I just don't understand the idea that hockey should be greater than everything else. Brady Kachuk is the captain of the Ottawa Senators. Yes. Brady Kachuk is under contract for a long time. He committed to Ottawa. He committed to his franchise. But his season is over. And the fact of the matter is... It's not like Brady Kachuk's wearing a C on his chest. It's not like he's wearing the Calgary Flames crest. He's not. He's wearing Matthew Kachuk shirts. He's wearing red, but he's very, very cautious to not be wearing the logo of the Calgary Flames. There's no harm. There's no foul. There's no reason why Brady Kachuk should not be allowed to have fun with his family while he roots on his brother. I would love it if more siblings acted the way Brady Kachuk does toward Matthew, and I would guarantee you this. If one day 
we exist in a world where the Ottawa Senators are as good as the Calgary Flames and Brady Kachuk is in the playoffs and he's playing those meaningful games and the Calgary Flames are not or Matthew Kachuk, whichever team he decides he's going to play for next, they're not in the playoffs. I would get... I would guess, I would venture to guess that Matthew Kachuk will be in those stands wearing black and he will be rooting on his brother Brady. We need more of that and less of hockey means everything and you shouldn't ever do anything that's ever going to make your fan base mad because we're mad and blah, blah, blah. It's such a ridiculous take. I don't understand it. Let the kid exist and be happy for his family. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the call out to Riley Smith. Riley, you need to be in Carolina right now, running up and down the stands, high-fiving people when, when Brendan does something good because you're right, we, we need more of that. Um, it, it's dumb to argue otherwise. Like, I just, I, Ryan, I, I can't understand why people would say hockey is more important than family because it's not. At the end of the day, it's not. It's just a game. No. So, it is just a game, and... I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time with Nathan McKinnon right now. And I know I know that's going to come as a shock to everybody that I'm having a hard time with Nathan McKinnon reacting to a loss. But hey, water is wet, the sky is blue, grass is green, and here we are. Um, the, the Colorado Avalanche swept the Nashville Predators. They beat St. Louis in game one, and though it went to overtime and though it was close, it was only close on the scoreboard, the Colorado Avalanche absolutely dominated the St. Louis Blues in game number one. Admittedly, Colorado was very, very average to bad last night against the St. Louis Blues. The Blues tied up the series. They go home to St. Louis with the split. That's what you play for in the first two games on the road, 100%. However, I have a really hard time with Nathan McKinnon and some of the comments he made after the game. Quote, we were really bad tonight. Yeah, that's fair. I'm good with that. You want to talk about how bad you were? That's fine. I'm all on board. Here's where you lose me. In years past, you know, those years where they can't get out of the second round, quote, we might dwell on it and get down on ourselves and each other. But we've just got to pick each other up and move on. End quote. Why say that? The fact the fact that you're saying that shows me you're not moving on. The fact that you are thinking about the past years shows me that you haven't really learned anything. Well the other thing What is, are you doing here? It's only one game. Right? Like if he's already right? talking about this after one game. What happens when they lose two? What happens if they're on the brink of elimination? Nate, you're not going to go 16-0. You're just not. That's not how the playoffs are, are made. The reason why some teams win and other teams don't is that some teams are able to flush bad performances. In the case of Calgary and Edmonton, even though Calgary won the game, They've got to flush that one. They do. They simply do. And the Colorado Avalanche need to learn that the frustrations from one game do not have to bleed into another. Case in point, last year, second round, Vegas. As soon as that series started to turn in Vegas' favor, 
the Colorado Avalanche imploded. And they imploded because things didn't go exactly as they were supposed to go for the talented Colorado team. And the fact that you are even discussing, thinking about, worrying about, dwelling on last year by saying that we don't, we shouldn't be doing the things that we did last year. You're already dwelling. You're already there. It's the wrong headspace for an uber-talented Colorado team. I don't feel like this bodes well for Colorado the rest of the series. What do you think? What do you think, Chapman? Well, I mean, we'll see how they respond tomorrow. Uh, I, I, I don't understand why you make those comments after you lose your first game, right? You just swept Nashville. You played really good in game one against uh, St. Louis. You knew St. Louis was not going to just roll over. They're a good team. They're well coached. They have a lot of players with a lot of pride. They weren't just going to lay down for you. The fact that Nathan McKinnon is kind of expecting them to, you're right. It, it, it may not bode well. I'll be curious to see how the Avalanche respond tomorrow. I think they get a good effort, but the doubt is clearly there. It, it, it's clearly there because if it wasn't, he's not making those comments. He's like, all right, you know what? It's one game. We're moving on. The thing that I find most interesting is that this team rolls until they get punched in the mouth. And I don't know about you, like if I've been punched in the mouth three times in a row, I'm going to learn how to take a punch. Right? Like I'm going to do all the things, I'm going to strengthen all of the muscles that I need to strengthen in my neck, in my back, whatever the case may be, so that I can take a punch and come back. So that I can take a punch and move forward. I don't know that the Colorado Avalanche, in all these years have learned how to take a punch in the playoffs. Yeah. And it, that, to me, like, that to me is, is the most frustrating thing for a team that is as talented as Colorado is. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. And it, it is frustrating because you feel like at this point they should be above that. But to be honest with you, it's kind of funny. Like, it'd be really funny if, <laughs> if, if they implode again. Like, it would be hysterical because I, I, I think there's a lot of people rooting against them. So I think, yeah. it, I, I think it would be hysterical. And, and comments like that, I think they just add to the people rooting against them. Colorado, man. I, 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 don't, I don't know what to make of this team. I, I really don't. Like, I, I think that they are so incredibly talented. And when things are going right, when things are going well, it's the greatest thing in the world. But when they have even a little bit of adversity, especially in the playoffs, they wilt. I'm, I'm hopeful that they won't wilt this time. I'm hopeful that they've learned something. But I'm just a little apprehensive based on the comments from Nathan McKinnon after the game. Those are your one-timers. Brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee for today. Friday, May 20th. We're back to wrap it up next. Catching up with Chapman. <laughs> When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right, Ryan. So earlier in the show, I mentioned the uh, the game a couple years ago between Edmonton and Calgary. It ended up 8-3 in favor of the Oilers. Uh, in that game, Cam Talbot was the Calgary goalie. He was ejected for misconduct. Uh, nice. Mike Smith was the Edmonton goalie in that one. He also picked up a misconduct goalie interference in that one, but I be, uh, I'm looking at the box score and it's it's okay. a it's a wild wild game. So Mike Smith got the win. He allowed three goals. 
on 18 shots. Miko Koskinen comes in after Mike Smith was ejected, gave up no goals on only eight shots. Uh, in in on the Calgary end, Cam Talbot somehow uh, did not get the loss. It was David Riddick who got the loss. He allowed six goals on 28 shots, but just a just a crazy crazy game. Tons of penalty minutes in that one. Eight three final. Uh, Rasmus Anderson also got a misconduct. Alex Chasen, Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk actually was kicked out of the game following where he was awarded a penalty shot. So it, 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 it's just a wild, wild game. So, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. 8-3 uh, final. That was on February the 1st of 2020. So uh, All right. I, I'm hoping we get a repeat of, of that tonight. I think this one's going to be a feisty one. Uh, tonight, Battle of Alberta, I think we're going to get some goals. I think we're going to get some fights. And I think we're going to get an awesome series. Chapter 2, a little bit later tonight. We will chat with you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you then.